and clap. Good evening, church. You guys feeling good this evening? Amen. Praise God. He is in this house for sure. I was back there in the back just feeling him out, just listening to the Lord, and I was just bawling because he's just that good. You see, tonight we come together and we gather, and the Bible says where two or more gather in his name, it says there he is in the midst of them. And I believe this evening that God is going to uh, say some special things to you, and it's going to be glorious. I'm just super excited about it. Uh, I want to thank Roger, his staff, and you guys for inviting me to your beautiful church. I, uh, this, this evening, man, when I walked into to church, I just felt like I was telling Chad, where, wherever Chad is, I said, uh, there he is. I said, man, I just feel like, like the brotherhood in this place. Like, I feel like you guys are knit together in love. And the Bible says that you will know them by the way they love one another. Amen. And so it's truly an honor to be here with you guys, even if it's just for one night to sit and be with you guys and to understand what it means to be in love with God and to see love uh, uh, move through the people here among the crowd. So it's beautiful. I don't believe tonight you guys are here to hear a sermon from me. I believe that you're here to have an encounter with the Lord. Because if he doesn't show up, then we're just having church. And it's just a religious practice. And we're not here to practice religion. We're here to be in fellowship with the Lord. With the one who came and the one who is the author and perfecter of our faith. His name is Jesus. And, uh, man, the Lord gave me a word tonight for you guys. And uh, I'm excited to share that with you because I believe that God's wanting to take this church to higher levels. You know, the Bible says that we go from glory to glory, from faith to faith. Your walk one year ago should look different than what it is now. And if you're stuck in the stagnant motion of what we call religious practices, you'll never go anywhere. You'll always stay in the same place. You always come to church, read your Bible, and do all those things. But the Word is alive, and it's active, and it's beautiful. And so every day we wake up saying, Lord, what is it that you have for me today? What direction would you like me to go? What people would you like me to impact? I'm leaving for Pakistan in two days. Praise God. Absolutely. The Lord called me to Pakistan one year ago, and I have been for the past year video preaching during this COVID crisis. I've been video preaching and preaching the gospel to people in villages who have never heard of the name of Jesus. I mean, they, they don't even know who Jesus is. They don't even know if he's a prophet or Elijah or any of those things. They don't even know who he is. So we preach Christ crucified and people get saved. Amen. It's truly amazing. And I'm getting on a plane in two days and I'm going there with one thing in mind. Save souls and distribute the word of God. We have, to this date, we have delivered over 500 Bibles in the Pakistan language uh, this past year. And that one seed of the Word of God not only goes to that person, but then they take it back to their household and they, they distribute it among their family. They talk about it among their family. They get saved and then neighbors get saved and villages get saved. 
it was a year and a half ago, and I, my prayer was, Lord, do not leave me out of revival. And I don't mean this against America, but I thought revival was here in America at the time. This was a year ago. And little did I know that revival was something that the Lord had, had placed in my heart that was not for that time and that destination, but was for a year later when I got into Pakistan. And I'm here today to tell you, Pakistan, there is revival happening over there. And it's powerful. You literally bring the word of truth and people just lay down their lives. And it's not just to confess with your mouth and then we call that Christianity. No, when they lay down their lives, they are persecuted for Jesus' name's sake because the people they're surrounded by are Muslims and Hindus and Buddhists and they don't like Christianity. But these people say, yes, Lord, here I am. I love you. Oh, man, it's powerful. My... Uh, where I'm at with the Lord right now is a very, very beautiful. I have not heard this much from the Lord since these past two weeks. I mean, I have heard worship music in my head from, from heaven. When I was reading the word, you guys don't know this, but a week ago, we talked about this. A week ago, I lost almost sight in my left eye. And that's a very scary place to be. And so I went to the eye doctor, and when I got to the eye doctor, they did a scan over my eye, and I have what's called, it's going to sound a little, <laughs> little far off, it's called central serous retinopathy. Basically, there is edema that has leaked into my eye, and it's detached my retina from my left eyeball. And so I was sitting there, and I was reading the word, and I could not read the word because the, the words looked like they were overlapping one another. And I just shut my eyes, and I prayed. And I heard that song, worthy of it all. You are worthy of it all. And I just heard it and heard it and heard it and heard it. And I knew then that I was hearing heaven because I haven't heard that song and I don't even know how long. And then the next day when I was able to read the word just a little bit better, he took me to Revelations 4 and it says, worthy is the lamb. Powerful, powerful stuff. My, uh, my life has not always been what it is and where it is now. See, you've got to understand that God chooses those people who are stuck in the darkness. He chooses the misfits, the uneducated, those who do not know any kind of direction to their life. And 20 years ago, I fell into drug addiction. I had a great family. I had a great upbringing, all those things. Uh, my, my aunt and uncle are here tonight. Thank you guys so much for being here. And uh, so they know my past. They know what I've been through. And so at age 16, I fell into drug addiction because I wanted what the world had for me. I wanted to become popular and worthy and recognized and all those things. And so I had purchased my first vehicle. Actually, my parents purchased my first vehicle, but I had to pay for the insurance. And I was using drugs, and I was defiant, and it changed my perspective. It changed who I was as a, as a man. And I began to think that I knew what life was about. And so I ran away from home several times. And I ended up in juvenile detention. And I hated my parents for what they were doing to me. But they wanted what was best for their son. And so I moved back home with them again. And I just kept going through the motions. And uh, my, my life became just detached. And I was... You would think that at some point in time, 
I would lay down the drugs, but my addiction kept getting further and further and further. And I, I started uh, not just becoming defiant towards my parents, but I hated everybody that was sober. And I just wanted to be with people who were under the influence. And after, after high school, I barely, barely graduated by the skin of my teeth. And I moved into a drug house, which I called it the devil's den because the carpet was red and the furniture was black. And in that place, I had no idea, but that place was a meth house. This is in Joplin, Missouri, 20 years ago. And I was using, abusing. They asked me to move in. I moved in with these drug addicts. And I was coming to a place where uh, my, my drug addiction was no longer just kind of an experience and anything like that. It was every day, every hour of every minute. And I was using and abusing, and I began to walk with darkness. You see, the people I was hanging with were not normal people. These people carried kilos of cocaine. They carried labs of methamphetamines. They were carrying every kind of gun and knife that you could think of. These people were not just bad. They were dangerous. And I was in this place where I lost, was losing my life, and I, began, I became demon-possessed. I started having fear and anxiety and, and thoughts of suicide even at times. But I never left because that's what really hopelessness is when you're stuck in a situation and it's like this big cycle of no way out. You guys know what I'm talking about. Some of you guys know what I'm talking about. And so what was uncommon was becoming normal to me. And it's not normal to be under the influence of drugs. It's not normal to seek your own life. It's not normal to go through the motions and, and have no, no, uh, no sign of a future. But one evening, this is the miraculous point where the God intervenes. One evening, I fell to my knees in the middle of the devil's den. The very place where the enemy was coming to destroy my life. And I collapsed to my knees. And these words would come from my lips. I said, God, I didn't know God at the time. But I said, God, if you are real, I need you to come into my life and I need you to change it forever. It would be one statement, a prayer, if you will. And three days later, I don't know what I was doing. I don't know if I was using. I don't know if I was selling, but I knew it was three days. And on the third day, I was standing in the front yard of the devil's den, and the same people who invited me into the house were pointing their finger in my face, and they said, get out of here. You don't belong here anymore. And, and I said, well, where am I going to go? Like, I have no place to live. And they said, it doesn't matter. You need to leave. Don't come back. And I got into my vehicle, and something in that vehicle said, Aaron, go home. You'll find safety there. And so I shut up my mom's front door, drug-induced. I'd been up for a week. I didn't even hardly know my name. And my mom opens the door, and she didn't even recognize her own son. I was that far gone. And so she opens the door. I said, Mom, let me in. And she's, I sit down on the couch, and I was hallucinating. I was saying things that weren't even normal. But somehow I got out of my lips, Mom, can I move back home? And she said, absolutely not. Look at the condition you're in. 
you need rehab. That's what you need. And my dad's in the background, and he's like about to ball. Like he's about to just lose it. And he says, well, he's our son. We can't let him leave. Look at the condition he's in. My mom said, fine. If he gets clean, he can stay here. And I made the decision to get clean that night. And the next day I woke up, anxiety, depression. You see, I didn't know who Aaron was anymore. All I knew was the, the Aaron that was stuck in drug addiction for most of, most of his teenage years. And uh, my mom says, well, what do you think about the medical field? And I said, I don't know, I'll give it a shot. See, I was clean, I was doing the right thing, but I was having no direction to life. And she said, what do you think about the medical field? And so I said, I'll give it a shot. So I went to school, got my phlebotomy license, and I started working at BioLife Plasma Services. And while I was at BioLife Plasma Services, I met some people there, nurses, and I said, what do you guys do? And they said, well, Aaron, we save lives and we help people. And I said, that's what I want to do. You see, I was a life destroyer. I wanted now to be a life saver. And so that's what I did. So I went to school against all kinds of frustration and thoughts that I'd never amount to anything. I went back to school. Not only did I go back to school to become a registered nurse, I went back to school. I got my master's degree, and now I'm a board-certified nurse practitioner. Like, that doesn't happen unless the grace of God is on your life. That has not happened. You cannot go from a drug addict to crying out to God in the middle of a drug house to giving your life to Christ in 2012 to now I'm a nurse practitioner. Those things do not happen unless the hand of God is on your life. And I'm here today to tell you that we serve a God who in the darkness shines his light because God himself is light. And wherever he goes, he exposes that darkness and they leave. Those demons had to flee from my life. Those demons had to go. Hey, you. Man, it's good to see you. Great. So tonight, the Lord gave me a word. Oh, man, he gave me a word. He says, my church, yes, we claim faith. He says, but I want to take your faith to the extreme. I want to take your faith to higher heights. And he led me to Hebrews chapter 11. Let's talk about the definition of what faith really is because we have to understand what extreme faith is. We have to understand what faith is first. It says that faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. If you look up the Greek word of assurance, it's the essence or reality. And evidence is the proof or certainty. So think about this. Faith is the reality in which we hope for and the certainty of things yet not seen. Faith is like a string that knits together an entire quilt. Faith is like a foundation to a building of a strong house. Faith is like a small seed and when it grows it becomes a tree. This is how we serve God, by faith. Martin Luther King said, faith is like taking the first step, even when you don't see the whole staircase. 
The question here is, church, do you truly believe that if you take that first step, God will meet you halfway? In fact, he won't just meet you halfway. He'll be your beginning, the middle, and the end. Jesus is the omega. He is the alpha. He is the first. He is the last. He's the beginning. He's the end. Everything that Jesus is is consumed in all eternity. And it's beautiful. Faith comprehends as fact what cannot be experienced by feelings. Faith comprehends as fact what cannot be experienced by feelings. You see, there's a lot of people in the church today that are led off feelings. God says, I don't want your feelings. He says, I want your faith. He wants your faith, church. If you want to think of faith, what is faith? Trust. <clears throat> trust. Do we trust in a God who we can't see even though he's working in the midst of us? Can we believe and truly understand that there's a God who loves us so much that he says, if you'll just take that leap of faith, I'll be there to meet you. We walk by faith, not by sight. You see, I was losing my eye. It's still not right. It's still distorted. I'm still believing God's going to heal that. I'm still believing right now God's going to heal that. I may be preaching right now and my eye will open up. That's how good he is. Man, I'm, I'm really having to walk by faith and not by sight, guys. This is, it's really difficult for me to see. But I was thanking God in my car after it happened. And I said, Lord, I count it as joy when I go through trials and tribulations. Mm. Man, it wasn't but three months after I gave my life to Christ in 2012. And I went to this church, and I was on fire for God. You, you know how it is when you first... You find God and you get that rhythm. You're like, oh, man, God, whatever, whatever you have for me, man, I want it. I want it. Whatever. I want it all. I don't want just partial. I want it all. And I, was, I went to this church, and it was a big church, vaulted ceilings. And at the very end of the service, they asked everybody to come to the, to the front who wanted to receive salvation or who needed prayer. And so me, being that excited little kid, you know, first off, right out the gate of Christianity, ran up to the front with my buddy uh, and we're standing up there at the front, and there's all these people, like, like, a, like, a, like an ocean of people standing at the front. And I'm looking for people to pray for, and I couldn't find anybody to pray for. And I'm like, God, like, here I am. Like, I'm excited. Like, I'm ready. And I looked at the, at the preacher, and he's on the microphone, and he's talking, and all of a sudden, his, his microphone goes out. But he's still talking. And I look at my buddy, and I'm like, Man, someone needs to turn up his microphone. Something's not right. And the moment I said that, this rush of wind blew from right behind me. I said, well, that's funny. I said, because I'm not cold, but I feel something. And it came from behind me. And the moment I was logically trying to process this, that wind got stronger. And I was shaking. And I, no one taught me how to do this. No, no one said, oh, Aaron, when you get filled, this is what it's like. I'm like... I'm brand new. I have no clue what's going on here. So I'm logically trying to process this. I'm trembling. And I look at my buddy, and I just had these tears. And he says, bro, are you okay? And I said, he's here. <laughs> like, <laughs> I was like, God is touching me right now. Yes. 
and he grips me, and I was like, like sizzling bacon in his arms. And he let go of me, and the intensity faded down, and I had this peace and joy that surpassed all understanding for hours, hours into the night. So me, being on this hyperdrive, was running around to strangers going, how could nobody want this? Like, how could nobody want this? They're like, dude, what's this guy talking about? I was filled with the Holy Spirit that night. The Bible says you don't really know where the wind's going, where it's coming from, but you know it's there. So are those who are born of the Spirit. Powerful. Powerful. So a few months later, I'm in church. I'm at my, my church, and I'm sitting there in the, in the pews, and I'm listening, and I'm worshiping, and I heard a voice. Aaron, I need you outside these four walls of the church. I'm like, what is going on? I said, either the devil's out to get me or someone in church wants me gone. That's what I was thinking for months. Aaron, get outside these four walls. You're no longer good here. I need you outside the four walls. I'm like, Lord, what am I supposed to do? Like, I didn't even know it was the Lord. I was freaking out. So I'm going home. I'm asking my wife, babe, please pray for me. Like, I'm in a bad spot here. And she's like, okay, yeah, I'll pray for you. And then my buddy calls me up one day. He says, Aaron, the Lord spoke to me. He says, he told me to grab you, your wife, and we're supposed to go into the streets and feed people. And it was like, it was like that moment where I was like, yeah, that's what we're supposed to do. So we sacked up 30-sec lunches. We hit the streets. We pulled around this alleyway, and there were all these people who were standing there waiting for a meal. And I looked at all my friends. I said, all right, guys, well, it's time to get out the car. So I got out the car, and I got bum-rushed. Like, all the people started coming at me. I had sack lunches, I had coats, I had all these different things. And next thing you know, I'm like standing there and these people are like, pray for me. And I'm like, okay, so I'm praying for people. Next thing you know, backs are coming into alignment, knees are getting fixed, deaf ears are opened up. I'm like, what's going on in this place? And this is the power part. I stepped out of the crowd because I was overwhelmed and I looked at the crowd and I heard the voice of God. He said, Aaron, this is what I've called you to. And it was the moment I got called into ministry, like by the audible voice of God who called me outside the four walls, not to leave the church, but to go and become the church. And so that's what we're doing. And that's what we're doing nowadays. God's just extended my borders a little bit further into the international coast. So good. You will never know the size of your faith until you step out in faith, knowing it was faith that got you there. Come on. So I heard the voice of the Lord, and by faith, I stepped out of the waters, out of the boat, onto the waters. I saw Jesus. He said, come to me. And so I'm walking, I'm here, and then next thing you know, you look, and you look back, and you're like, how did I even get here? It was by faith. Do we believe that God can produce something in us that he's already speaking to us? He wants to take us exceedingly and abundantly beyond that whatever we can ask, think, or imagine. He wants us to go into new, uncharted waters. There's a new place, a new region that God is calling us to. And I believe this church is going to reach Pittsburgh, Kansas for the gospel. But it's going to take faith. It's going to take faith. But not just faith, it's going to take extreme faith. Think about the people of faith. Think about Moses. By faith, Moses saved the Israelites from Egypt. By faith, Noah prepared 
an ark of salvation for his family. By faith, Abraham, when he was called, obeyed by going to a place where he would receive his inheritance. You see, it takes faith to answer the call of God, but it takes extreme faith to respond to his voice. Oh, we can come to church. I can show up on Sunday mornings. I can attend a couple extra Bible studies. I can do all those things right. And I can be sincere at the same time. But the question is, what is it that the Lord is speaking to you now in this season that you're supposed to obey? You see, this word is for some of you tonight, if not all. The Lord speaks always. Jesus said, my sheep hear and obey my voice. And as strangers, they will not obey. The question here is, what voice are you listening to now? Are you listening to the right voice? The voice that says that I will carry you along the way? Or are we listening to the wrong voice that says you're amount to nothing? You see, the enemy loves to come in. He loves to speak lies into our head, through our ears, and the things that we see. Understand this. Joy is not based on your circumstances. Joy is an inner peace not changed by outward circumstances. It's not. The way things are going is not how good God is. If you're going through trials and tribulations, understand that the Lord is with you all the time. And in your weakness, you are strong because he is strong. And if he can get you from this situation, it says that we're building character and perseverance and character hope. C.S. Lewis said this, faith is the art of holding on to things in spite of your changing moods and circumstances. It's an art. Holding on to the word of God. Holding on to the promises that he's given us. Amen? But understand this, we've talked about faith, but it takes extreme faith to go to that next level. Listen to this, Hebrews 11. By extreme faith, Abraham, when he was tested, tested, offered up Isaac, for he considered it reasonable to believe that God was able to raise Isaac even from the dead. You see, Abraham was called by God out of the city. Abraham obeyed and said that it was counted to him as righteousness because of his belief in God. But then... God asked him to sacrifice his only son, Isaac. And he did it. Until an angel showed up and said, no, 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 no. I have this ram. We'll use that for a sacrifice. God has seen your obedience. That's what extreme faith takes. It takes not only us answering the call, but being obedient to what he's asking us to do. Abraham had extreme faith. He believed that God would even raise Isaac from the dead if need be. It was a picture of Jesus. It was a picture of of God the Father who was going to sacrifice his one and only son that those who believe in him shall never perish but have everlasting life. That's the gospel. And he didn't just die for our sins because we were sinners. Yes, we had to die. Or yes, he had to die because we did sin. But he died because he saw value in us. He, he, knew, he said that my children, they have a destiny and a purpose. And I have a plan for them and a calling. And I'm going to sacrifice my one and only life that they may have life and have it abundantly. It takes extreme faith. 
By extreme faith, Moses, when he growed up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter because he preferred to endure the hardship of the people of God rather than the joy of the passing pleasures of sin. He considered the rebuke he would suffer for his faithful obedience to God to be greater wealth than all the treasures of Egypt, for he looked ahead to the reward. There's a reward, people. There's a reward to your obedience. The Lord is asking us to be obedient this evening. What is it that God's put on your heart? What has he been saying to you? Don't just journal it. Do it. By extreme faith, he left Egypt, being unafraid of the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is unseen. Don't allow the things that can be seen to define the things that are unseen. Oh, it's easy to see things that are seen, easy to see the things that you could see. But do you trust in him who is unseen? The Bible says that no one has ever seen God, but yet the Bible also says those who are pure of heart shall see God. We need to have a pure heart before the Lord. We need to worship him. And worship is not just with instruments, people. Worship is an attitude and an act. If you read in Deuteronomy, you hear Moses say over and over, listen, listen, listen. If you translate the word listen, it actually means obey. And if you tie in love with listen, you, 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 you listen to love, you obey because you love him. And you can't obey him unless you love him. It's a cycle. Listen and love. We listen and obey God because we love him. And because we love him, we obey him. It's powerful. It's powerful. Mm. Jesus. What more shall we say? Time will fail if we talk about all the others who by faith subdued kingdoms, administered justice, obtained promised blessings, closed the mouths of lions. Come on. Extinguish the power of raging fire. Escape the edge of the sword. Out of weakness were made strong, became mighty and unbeatable in battle, putting enemy forever to flight. Women received back the dead by the resurrection, and others were tortured to death, refusing to accept the release of denying their faith. It costs you something to follow the Lord. It costs you something. 2018, the Lord called me to India. And in case you don't know where India is, it's halfway across the world. 24 hours of flying in the air, not including layovers and things like that. It takes you a day and a half to get there. And the Lord had called me to India. And when I got to India, before I got to India, there was a two-day delay in Springfield. And that evening, they, they put me in a hotel. And there was a tornado warning. My, my, my windows were... Shaking. I looked outside and the and the lights were dancing like this back and forth. It's like, should I take cover or what should, what should I do? <laughs> and um, so I just prayed and 15 minutes later it was gone. Uh, but the next day I went back and delayed again, delayed again. Next thing you know, I'm on a plane. I finally get to London. I wonder, hey, are my bags even on this flight? 
I went to the London attendant. Oh, yes, sir, Mr. Garcia, we see two bags here. You're fine. I said, all right, so. Got to India, jet lag, bad. Oh, migraines, nausea every few seconds. Just feel like I want to throw up all the time. And at customs, they interrogated me for like 15, 20 minutes. Why are you here? Are you here with the church? What, is, what does your friend do? I had to make up all kinds of stuff because I couldn't let them know I was from a church. It's a Hindu country, so they don't want any Christians coming in there. And so I went through, got through customs. I got to my baggage claim, and wouldn't you know it, my bags weren't there. Not only were my bags not there, but my bags weren't there the entire trip. I had the same underwear on. I hadn't showered in a day and a half. I had no blades for my head. I mean, I had nothing. Man, but I had Jesus. And when I got there, it was so powerful because you would just say some words and people were giving their lives to Christ. You see, it, it's, it takes, it's uncomfortable to follow the Lord. And that's okay because he's just stretching us a little bit. Just stretching us a little bit. Can I get the uh, worship team up here? Understand this, people. <clears throat> Extreme faith creates good works. Listen to what it says in James 2. What is the benefit, my fellow believers, if someone claims to have faith but has no good works as evidence? You see, a mere claim of faith is not sufficient. Genuine faith produces good works. So if faith is the evidence of things not seen, then good works is the evidence of our genuine faith. When you come to the Lord, you believe. You seek him, and then you find him. But there's a problem with the church nowadays is that we go from the seeking to the finding, but we don't send. And I'm not talking about just missions, people. I'm talking about into the marketplace. I'm talking about into the community. You see, there is a generation of people outside these four walls who don't know Jesus, who are living a life for themselves, and they are lost without any hope. So we, being the peacemakers, must go and we must assign ourselves to, to this community and we must go after the miraculous and believe in things of God. Faith. It's like taking that first step without even seeing the staircase, Martin Luther said. We have to, first off, have faith. And the second part is we have to have extreme faith to obey the voice of God. The Lord is always speaking. The question here is, are you listening? If obedience is the expression of our faith, it's much like a smile is an expression of our joy. Do people see that joy in your heart? You see, because Christianity for so long has become about an attendance and a lot less of the joy of the Lord on their hearts. You know, I work in a nurse practitioner in a, in a practice, and I see people every single day who are dealing with ac acute and chronic illnesses. And I'm seeing a lot more anxiety and depression and thoughts of suicide. And it's increasing, and it's increasing, and it's increasing, and it's increasing. But I'm here today to tell you that the Lord 
is going to annihilate all that junk. And he gives me, he gives me the opportunity to be a gatekeeper. He told me that. He says, Aaron, you're my gatekeeper. And I'm like, Lord, what does that mean? He says, I just bring people through the gate. And you're right there just to encourage them and inspire them and pray for them. I had one gentleman. He was out in his car. I don't know why this story is coming to me all of a sudden. And uh, I wasn't supposed to see him as a patient. And I won't give too much information because of laws and things like that. But I saw him through a telemedicine appointment. And... As I'm talking to him, because he's dealing with anxiety and depression, he's got kids, he's about to lose his wife. I run out there and I look him in the eyes and I said, listen, I understand what hopelessness is like. I said, but God came into my life 20 years ago and he changed me from the ground up. And I just want to give you one of my books and I want you to go home and I want you to read it. And he is bawling at this point in time. And I like close, he closed the door and I heard a, hey, I'm like, what? And it was a lady. She's like, God bless you. And I'm like, okay. Like, she's like, no, seriously, God bless you. You see your faith and your obedience to God shows before mankind that they may bring glory to God for your good works. A month passed and he came back for a follow-up. And he, they, they, he wanted to talk to me, so I ran into the room. And he had this, this glow on his face. And he says, man, when you gave me that book, man, I went home and I read it from cover to cover. He said, the very next day, I found a job. He said, the very next day, me and my wife made amends and we're together again. The very next day, I didn't know this, he was struggling with addiction. He laid down his addiction. And now he is following God because of what God did through my faithful obedience. Not what I did, but what God wanted me to do for him. And that's what it's about. Reaching people who are unreached. And I'm going into Pakistan in two days. And thank you guys so much for the seat because every dollar that comes in here tonight is going straight to Pakistan. And we got crusades set up. We got over 5,000 people coming to one crusade. They're bringing him in by Greyhound buses, like Greyhound buses in Pakistan. There's gonna, and, and some of the drivers are Muslim. And it's Muslims bringing people to a gospel. And I know that not only the people are gonna get changed, but the drivers are gonna get changed in the process. Woo! It's powerful, man. And so, not only the Crusades, but we're going to the drug addicted uh, villages. We rented out like a Schiffendecker like size pool, and we have hundreds of people coming to get baptized already. Ready to go. Ready to go. You know what it's like. Praise God. For just as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works of obedience is also dead. Are you ready, church? Are you ready to take your faith to new extremes? That's where God's going. Because there's a time coming, if not already happening, where the church is going to be persecuted here in America. And it's going to take extreme faith to go to that next level. Because the church is the answer. When all the politics are fading away, 
when all the hatred is fading away, when all these things are fading away, guess who's going to stand? The church, the believers. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, stripping off every unnecessary weight and the sin which so easily and cleverly entangles us, let us run with endurance and active persistence the race that is set before us, focusing our eyes on Jesus, who is the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, disregarding the shame, and sat down at the right hand of God Almighty. Jesus is our example. And he's not just a prophet, people. He's not just a teacher. He is the Son of God. In the beginning was the Word, Christ. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. It says, in him was the life, and the life was the light of men. You, church, are the light. You are a city on a hill, a holy priesthood, sons and daughters of God. Stand with me. Hey, thank you for choosing Life Changers Church to listen to. Our services are Sunday morning at 1030. We also have King's Kids Church available as well on Sunday morning. We offer a midweek lift service on Thursday nights at 7. And to all of our visitors who are in driving distance, come and worship with us here at Life Changers Church. The Life Changers worship team is amazing. And the full impact of worship cannot be explained on experience. Hey, check out our YouTube channel and our podcast on iTunes. We're also on Spotify as well. You can find all of these under Life Changers Church International, Pittsburgh, Kansas. This full title and name will lead you straight to all of our programs. Hey, check out our Facebook page for all of our events and our outreach that we do in the community each and every month. God bless you again, and have a wonderful and blessed day in Jesus. Done.